Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome to another podcast of the Uncommon Life Project. This is your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. And we are with one of my good friends, Courtney Woogie, today, which is a great story in and of itself, but I'm excited to get into it. He's one of the first guests that has all seven sources of residual income. So we're excited to dive into that, but let's go ahead and give a little background of Courtney and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah, so Courtney is a second generation owner of FCIS Insurance and the founder, one of the founders of the Treetown Music Festival here in Forest City, Iowa. Good story is we're here in Forest City uh, interviewing Courtney uh, because the mic- microphones are hard to come by here in Forest City, I guess. And so we thought we'd take the microphone to him. Welcome to the show, Courtney Woogie. Thanks, Philip and Brian. Welcome to Forest City, snowy Forest City this morning. And uh, the sky is blue, but we're going to have some fun. By the time this airs, it's going to be very hot out and beautiful and sunny and summery. But when we were driving up, it was ugly. So Mm -hmm. we're glad that you guys are on the other side of it. Uh, Hope it's a sunny day when you guys are listening to this. Yeah, I hope your listeners can pick up some some things I've learned because I've certainly learned the hard way on some things and the easy way on others. So let's jump right into that. So you haven't always been sitting here as one of the owners of FCIS. What, was this always a dream of yours, or was this something that just kind of came to fruition? No, complete opposite. I vowed never to return when I left Four City when I ran off to college. And uh, I did work a stint with Philip, which is how I know him, That's right. at a company called Abbott Laboratories, selling pharmaceuticals in Cedar Rapids. So uh, it was never a dream of mine. Uh, sometimes circumstances just happen for the better. And here I am, uh, as my father... Uh, became ill and decided he needed to make a decision on selling it on the open market or convincing me to buy into the business and have this, I guess, built-in annuity from what uh, uh, financially I see. Um, But it it also takes work. And a quote he gave me was, it takes 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. (laughs) Very true. Yep. Very true. So let's talk about the pharmaceutical days because those are honestly kind of like the golden handcuffs. I used to, I said that before mm-hmm. in post shows and uh, past shows. So let's talk about that. Is that something, how did you get out of that? Was it chosen for you or did you make a conscious decision? Yeah, it, that was a, a great job for the time being. But yeah, certainly uh, I thought it was all great, except for one day when I was on a conference call, they decided that reps were not, no longer needed in the company. And it didn't matter if my name was Joe or Fred or I was a rock star or, or a Philip. dud. Or yeah, Philip. Or Philip. <laughs> didn't matter if I was a rock star or a dud. Uh, budgets were cut and I was no longer needed. So that was really the first shock to my system on, you know what, maybe it is worth it to pursue something that I have an ownership vested interest mm-hmm. in. And that was kind of my first taste at, wow, I really am not in control uh, of my destiny um, when those circumstances happen. 
Yeah, I was on that same conference call. And <laughs> you and I met for lunch that same day. And yeah. I remember both of us were kind of encouraged and excited for the next chapter of our lives because I don't think we would have ever left that that position, that company. Because it's it, good money. Let's it's good money and good benefits and pretty easy. Absolutely. It was a fantastic job while it was there. Mm-hmm. And Great uh, boss, Jimmy G. Yep. Shout out to Jimmy G. That's right. He was, he was the man. Um, but it, it, it just was not sustainable from what, as looking back to it, 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 was, it was great, but just not sustainable. So did you come right into FCIS out of that or was there a... No, I didn't. So uh, my father laughed at me and said, um, you know, you had the world by the tail and all of a sudden now it's upside down. And he encouraged me at that time just to get my insurance license, just mm-hmm. to go and get it. I had the time. Um, I certainly had the wherewithal to do that. So I did that while I was looking for a new job gotcha. and just kind of dabbled my feet into it. So I got my licenses during that time, um, but I had not pulled the trigger yet because I had gotten another job selling medical supplies mm-hmm. for a family run business. I thought it was a little more stable and it turned out to be it was, but I sold medical supplies for the next two years almost before my dad got ill and said, look, it's decision time. Um, we, you either, here's the price, you can either buy into it, um, or I'm going to sell this on the open market. Gotcha. And that's where, you know, you talk to your family members and, and, um, trustworthy people that know the business and make a decision. And as, as it turns out, it was the worst short-term decision ever, but the best long-term mm-hmm. because I had to not only sell a lot of my assets to put skin in the game as my dad required, but I had to move my family from a very nice community up to small town Iowa, um, which was a challenge on, are the kids going to adapt? Is my wife going to find friends? Sure. So the first year, honestly, sucked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But looking back, and now that we're in it, the sixth year, it was the best decision we've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just roll up your sleeves and you work. And I can see this built-in annuity now, as long as we keep, things moving. Sure. And also kind of cool for you to step into your father's shoes and see all the hard work that he has done over the years Mm -hmm. and the sacrifice he's made to make this extremely successful business. And now you get to run it in a little different way. Technology probably is a little different than Gaylord had it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but now streamlining things to the point where now it is yours. Um, a month and a half ago, your father passed. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, two, uh, two and a half months ago now. Okay. And so he uh, um, had a lot of things already set up and, you know, life insurance and estate planning and all that stuff was in place, which is, that's been an unbelievable process to go through and see that it provides a lot of comfort to those of us that are left that he had a lot of mechanisms set mm-hmm. up. And uh, that's my hope and dream is that those mechanisms will continue to be set up for other people to uh, drink scotch out of the barrel after it's been aged properly. <laughs> Absolutely. So and you've, <laughs> you've always had this residual mindset. Cause I remember in pharmaceuticals, you had a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then once you got to forest city, Iowa, you started having this idea of a tree town mm-hmm. and having a festival. Tell us about that thought process and how that came to fruition. Well, I've always had the entrepreneur spirit and always believed that you have to have a few different eggs in the basket to be able to have some long-term wealth. 
I always knew that. I just didn't know the right mechanisms to play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you read books and you see movies and you see real estate. How hard can it be to buy some properties and rent them out and everything cash flows? And that does absolutely work. It is a, a way to, to get there, but it still does take work. You know, sometimes tenants don't pay and sometimes, you know, you have to do some maintenance things on the houses. So you got to know what you're doing. Sure. But it is absolutely a way where um, wealth can be built. And Shannon and I finally have uh, sold our last property in Cedar Rapids. We've kept some all these years. Mm -hmm. And finally, the timing was right where we did sell our last property uh, last fall. So uh, we've had a couple here in Four City that we've bought and sold. So we are still continuing on that mindset that for the right property, we, we, we'd love to buy because there is some tax benefits and some long-term wealth benefits. Sure. Um, but I've also had been involved in other network marketing type pieces and always have looked for avenues to get involved in things. Sure. Like when this Treetown Music Festival uh, idea approached me, it was never my intent to get into the music festival world. <laughs> I mean, sometimes just by networking and, and being out uh, uh, involved and knowing people, things just happen and questions are asked. So being in Four City, I was not going to let this opportunity pass me to be involved in a large scale music festival in a town I grew up. I just didn't have it in me to say, no, I'm not, not going yeah, to be a part of that. But you have to be smart about it. You, you can't put every egg in that basket and sure. you have to get the right people involved. So. That's an entirely different business. <laughs> entirely. A lot of action happens in four days where the insurance business, it's very, you know, methodical, methodical and you, you, you have to have a two to three year vision. And it's not like you can walk in and somebody just writes you a check for insurance day one. I mean, you have to build some relationships mm -hmm. and the music industry is very, um, um, you know, cutthroat. Uh, there are a lot of musicians trying to make it and mm -hmm. you're always being asked by all these musicians, listen, can I play? I'm really good. Yeah. And then there's 2000 people behind them saying the same thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, but mm. a lot of, a lot of moving parts and a lot of action in four days. Yeah. And so now that you're six years in to FCIS mm -hmm. as running this, what things do you notice now? Like, cause your dad owned this while you were growing up. What mm -hmm. things do you now appreciate looking back is like, Oh, that's why dad was doing that. Or, that's why dad said that. Or do you have any of those moments? Absolutely. It's, it's the relationships that he had built that all I had to do to Phillips point was maybe add some technology to it and add that next level of, Oh, we can do that. You know, mm -hmm. the relationships were already there with the clubs and the insurance carriers and everything else. Um, it's just the, the way of doing it 15, even 10 years ago was more handwritten and, and old school sure. things that we know as older millennials now, you know, <laughs> adding some video and some podcasting and some of those things have, have really changed the game. Sure. Um, even when it comes to PNC insurance. Yeah. What's I, so I think your dad's story is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Can you walk our listeners through? the the business when your dad his name is Gaylord yep kind of had the aha moment and how that kind of well he was happened. a problem solver yeah. he was a problem solver he saw a problem yeah and then he figured it out yep and that's in my mind in any business you endeavor in you just have to be willing to 
step in and help people and, and solve something. Mm -hmm. And the business started in 1978, so it's 40 years old uh, this year. So we're having a little party this year, this oh, nice. summer. Um, but uh, he was just your average independent insurance agent that you see on every corner of America, just helping people with their houses and businesses and, and friends that he gets to know in, in the community. Well, it wasn't until 1981 where he met a fellow named John K. Hansen, and he was the founder of Winnebago Industries, a very large Fortune 500 company here in Iowa based in Forest City. And he had an issue with customers buying RVs and the depreciation and them getting a little upset when they would own these big motorhomes and they would have a claim mm -hmm. on their insurance. And these things depreciate a lot more than the average automobile mm -hmm. does. Sure. So on a brand new coach, if you have a claim within the first probably four or five years and you have a note uh, uh, leverage on that RV, you're and down. you're upside down, well, the insurance carrier at that time was only going to pay you ACV, actual cash value, what that coach was worth at the time of loss. Mm. So if you owed 90 and the insurance carrier was only going to pay 60 because that's what it was worth, not only do you lose your RV, you can no longer camp with your family. You actually have to write a check for $30,000 to make this whole thing right. Wow. So he developed what we now know in the industry as total loss replacement for the RV. Wow. So uh, he talked to Foremost Insurance back in 1981 and took the lead underwriter fishing and said, we got to solve this problem. And the endorsement that was put on it was for the first five model years, the insurance company will replace that RV with like make and model. Oh. And then the next five model years is purchase price guarantee. So for 10 years, you have kind of a depreciation protection on that coach. Wow. Certainly, you guys are in the insurance world, you know there's a premium to be had for that, mm -hmm. but sometimes price isn't everything. People right. were actually willing to pay additional premium dollars for that endorsement because they knew of the issue with them driving this thing down the road and the cause of an accident and like, I don't want to lose my RV and have to write a check. Especially <laughs> if they knew somebody who had to do that. That's right. They'll pay it. That's right. So that's kind of what launched us into the national scene, got licensed in multiple states and um, got us into the RV insurance world, which is still makes up about 65 to 70% of our business. Wow. Um, you know, of course I have been tasked with growing the business. When you buy something, um, if you just keep it the same, it's going to take a long time to pay off that debt. Mm -hmm. So the idea is one plus one should equal three. Right. Um, so that's where the 99% perspiration comes in where you, you, you just add a little technology and continue to harness what's already been built and one plus one can equal three and we are growing, but you, you can never take your eye off the prize unless you're ready to, mm -hmm. unless you're ready to perpetuate to the next generation and find your little beach resort down <laughs> in uh, Florida or Mexico. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. What, cool. what yeah. mind shifts have, have to happen in your head from going to a pharmaceutical rep managing yourself to mm -hmm. now managing accompanying others? Well, there's, there's some parallels with uh, um, making sure you have a, a schedule and uh, understanding your own finances, finances and, and cash flows and, and trying to predict the future. But the differences are you're now responsible for everybody that works here and you're now responsible for your own rent on the building and your own paycheck. Mm -hmm. So it's a different, it's a different shift when you have the responsibility. It, it actually, when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you think about. 
versus when I was in pharmaceuticals, the first thing I thought about was um, not that I'm going to have to go catch my own food today. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot was was given to you, right? You had a bag and you had to carry and you got a gas card and a vehicle and, and, and life was good. Where the shift now is um, you, you, you can add your, your 100% your own value. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a different mindset. It's not for everybody. Sure. Um, you have to be prepared for it, but it can be extremely rewarding um, on days that you have, that you just don't feel quite right. You can say, I'm the boss. I'm just going to go and golf today. <laughs> but you also have to be prepared for the, the other side of it, that if you miss something because you're, you're golfing or having fun, you just have to be willing to accept that. Yeah. Tell and, us what your dad, your advice your dad gave you when you switched into business owner mode. Um, I think what he, aside from the 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration, um, he said, congratulations, you now are an owner of a company. You only have to work half days. I said, you know, by God, you're right. I'm only working half days. He said, well, what I mean by that is you get to pick the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. <laughs> and it's not that you're always on the grind working and, you know, doing things constantly for 12 hours, you're just always thinking, you know, for, I would say for 12 hours every day, I may at least put some thought into outside of normal eight to five working hours of how can I do this in the business or how can I help this individual or company or what if I did this, what would happen? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a lot easier to work when it is, it is your own. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes more natural. So it's 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 good and bad. It's uh, you know some people that we have great employees here at, at five o'clock they can they can shut it down and, and go home and they don't have to think about an insurance policy until eight o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And I was there in pharmaceuticals. That sure when when I got home at uh, you know two o'clock or two thirty in the afternoon, um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't think about work until the next morning. Sure. So we're now it's a it's a shift in, in thinking where it's I'm I'm there's a lot more thought put into it, but I can also do that and play golf at the same time. Sure. It's great. Okay, I want to go to because you're the first guest that has all seven sources of residual income. Mm-hmm. So I want to go through them individually and then kind of talk about your situation. And then after that, I want to talk about how do you intertwine all of them together to have a cohesive plan for you and your family mm-hmm. moving forward. So let's go through them. Uh, let's start out with the first one, which would be banking. Mm-hmm. How do you bank and how do you make that residual? Um, so because of my um, partners that are sitting here, I have learned <laughs> quite a bit from Brian about the banking industry because I believe your history has been in the banking industry, right? right? Family, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they have uh, set me up on a policy where I can use my own cash to create interest off of it. So how do banks make money? Well, they make money on interest, right? One of the things they do is make interest on the spread. So I am always trying to utilize my cash position on where I can make a little bit of interest on that cash. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's just off the top of my head. That's what I perceive myself as a bank. Certainly do I carry a debt load? Of course I do. I had to buy a business. Debt is a part of normal things when you're growing businesses and buying things. Mm -hmm. But if 
you can, if your interest rate of your debt is less than maybe the interest rate you're making in the market, mm -hmm. you've in a sense made yourself into a bank and, 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 and created that spread. Yep. Sure. Good. Okay. Number so, two. Two is real estate. Yep. So I have, uh, I wanted to be, uh, sorry for those people that didn't want to hear political propaganda here, but I <laughs> tried to be the Donald Trump of Cedar Rapids uh, before his political career back in the <laughs> early 2000s and buying property like it was my job. And I worked at, uh, you know, Abbott Labs and I figured, you know what, I'm going to try to do something for myself. And I just started buying these little houses, 40 or 50,000 uh, uh, a pop, you know, 10% down payment isn't, isn't very much. So I was right. buying these things and renting them out for four or 500 bucks. And, and uh, so I got up to, I think eight of those things wow. before I realized either I'm going to have to do this full time or I'm just going to have to start selling some because it was at that time I started to have a family mm -hmm. and my time started to get less and less mm -hmm. on dealing with rental property type things. So when my wife and I got married, she also had a house that we kept and rented out and over the last 15 years, we have bought and sold different real estate and, and, you know, per hour, if I had to break down my hourly rate on what I was doing, yeah, it might be 30, 40 bucks an hour, mm -hmm. um, for those analytical folks. But, uh, um, all in, I haven't, if you spread out your real estate risk enough, it's very hard to lose money as long as you buy the properties, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I think it, this is an important part I want, cause we talk about this a lot with our other, you know, just a lot of clients and different things. Mm -hmm. You you basically uh, harvested that portfolio to make a bigger capital investment mm -hmm. into not only FCIS but then the building that FCIS sits in. So great kind of point. Walk us through that. Absolutely. So when I was made the decision to buy the business, I needed a strong down payment. I needed some equity. So where would I find equity? Well, in my rental properties. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had some other you know a boat and, and my house in Cedar Rapids and there were some other pieces of equity I pulled from, but it was primarily property and I was able to 1035 exchange that into um, the building we're now sitting in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are, if you do it within two years, I don't know, I'm not a CPA, sure. but there are ways you can exchange property and continue to get a, a bigger piece of property that like this commercial building that we're now in. Right. Without paying tax. That's correct. So, so let's jump because I think this is important. So we'll jump to number four. That's mm -hmm. just traditional business. So FCIS is a traditional yep. independent insurance agency. So that's number four. And then that is paying rent to your kind of number two, real estate. Absolutely. So since the, well. the, the building is separate from the business, it doesn't, the business can be anywhere. It, right. it can be in Texas in, in a rental space. But I have uh, an LLC that owns the business and it's just what's called a triple net lease back to the insurance agency. Gotcha. So the business is responsible for the rent, the taxes and the insurance. Nice. And so my LLC that owns the building is just really a holding place to continue to collect the rent to pay off the debt. Sure. And once the debt is paid off, then, then you've got something. So when you bought into FCIS, you really bought into two different assets. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And it didn't happen at the same time. Sure. I bought the business number one because my dad still wanted rent on the building. Totally. You know, he wanted to go fishing and hunting even more than he was, was doing. And he thought, you know, that's a little cash flow for him. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I bought into the business to start. He wanted to understand that I was actually going to be continuing to work the business and not just be 
you know, 50 to 60% of second, third, fourth generation owners have failed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no secret. Yeah. You read any book. Because they want to just reap the rewards without right. the hard work. Absolutely. And it, it's, it, I can see that in, in other things. So I, I made a conscious effort that I'm not going to let that happen. And uh, so after year two is when I then bought the building. After I had a little bit of equity built up in the business, my father felt comfortable enough like, listen, you need the reward now of owning the real estate. Mm -hmm. Let me cash out of it and start that perpetuation plan that we have talked mm -hmm. about so we can then build into a longer term plan that was, was built quite well for both of us. Sure. Nice. But it takes a lot of communication and, and attorneys and accountants. <laughs> Get your pens out, folks. This is, this is like dropping knowledge. Yeah. So number three. Or three, yeah. Yeah, is investments. investments. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you have a retirement plan and you do that. Yep. And, uh, maximizing that benefit through your business. So the business is not only building equity in the business itself. That's right. The real estate. Yeah. So the, the businesses can also be considered an investment because the idea is to grow them. But there's there's traditional ways for 1Ks, buying mutual funds, buying stocks. Um, you know, I had another idea when I was younger that I was going to be a day trader. Well, I did that for about four days. And I'm like, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, I really didn't make anything. I bought and sold some stuff and it was fun and it was a rush. And but then I'm like, I don't want to spend my time looking at tra tracking all these stocks all day. Right. Um, this this is just going to make me stressed out and smoke cigarettes and and do things I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so I, I I did that for four days and I figured at the end of four days I didn't make any money doing it. So I figured that wasn't the best route for me sure. to go. So you retired. You yeah. retired from that. Business. I retired. I retired from day trading. So now. It's, it's more of a long-term approach. You can't follow the, the bumps up and down of the market. You have to trust your, your wealth advisors, if I, as I have here, and uh, you have to look at things for the long-term. 401ks, certainly if you, if you have cash and you want to take a risk, you know, buy some mutual funds and buy some stocks, but mm -hmm. don't, don't put all your eggs in that, in that basket. It, it can be fun and rewarding, especially the last year or so when we've had a, a pretty good market. <laughs> totally. But... One uh, Winnebago was at, or Four City was back in the 70s. It was known as the little town of millionaires because the stock price of Winnebago was just splitting huh. and quadrupling and just going up uh, so crazy. Wow. But all these people were millionaires on paper, uh -huh. right? They're what what happened to half of them when the stock came back down? Yeah. They were broke on paper. Yeah. <laughs> So it was like at the end of the day, their life didn't get any better. Sure. Certainly half the people took that stock, diversified it when sure. it was high and were smart about it. And, and uh, But paper money is cool, but it doesn't mean anything until you convert you, it to real assets. That's yes. right. Gosh, knowledge. So yeah. then you, Treetown is its own separate business mm -hmm. and legal structure and you have it, a, it absolutely is. That was designed as a partnership. So that was my um, sort of taste in... Uh, you know, I always had my dad as a partner, but having family as a partner is a little different than just having sure other is. other business partners. You know, for those that are in stock clubs and things, it's it's sort of the same thing where you're putting a each putting some skin in the game, and you're all trying to run a business. So uh, certainly, it it hasn't come without its bumps in the road. Partnerships are are can be can be very good because one plus one can equal three, but three divided by two can also be zero um, if you don't do it right. Sure. So there have, there have been some bumps and that industry is a little different than insurance, but it is continuing forward and we've got our fifth year uh, this May. So and this um, is a big concert. It, it is one of the premier music festivals 
uh, and most of it is country. There is a rock night on Thursday night, but most of it's country. Premier music festivals in the Midwest. Sure. So it, it quadruples the size of Four City. <laughs> and uh, there in a is, it, in, in four days, people come in and, you know, it's on the Winnebago campground. Sure. Uh, lots of uh, electricity and water and, and power out there and such. And Heritage Park has a lot of ground that the stage gets put up and it becomes a mini city. Hmm. And again, a lot, lot of activity, a uh, lot, lot of zeros and commas come in and go out um, in four days. In, in four days. <laughs> but it's cool to be a part of that, especially it, the city you grew up in. Like you're oh, going to be. It absolutely is. And I feel kind of like a farmer uh, because I'm constantly watching the weather mm. and saying, what's the weather going to do and how, how's my, yeah. how's the attendance how are the people going to react in, in those four days? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's another LLC that's on my tax return and, and, and uh, it's a, a startup that I got involved in that takes some time. Sure. You know, any startup will, anybody tells you that you're going to make money right away is lying to you. <laughs> it, Ron, <laughs> yeah, I heard this once the, uh, the Japanese, they say basically they don't plan to make any money off of business for seven, the first seven years. Yeah, I mean, seven years. If if you can't if you can't have a plan to make some money after three or four, sure. You know, there's you can always inject money back into it if you're growing like bananas, mm -hmm. and that's all fine. Look at Amazon, Facebook, sure. you know, all those tech companies. They didn't make money for a long time because they needed all that cash to grow. Mm -hmm. You know, it was dump easy. It. Yeah, it was easy to to dump fuel back on the fire, and but there's value in in that growth. You know, you you. Yeah, there's, there's cash in the bank, but there's also value in the growth of the right. business because that yeah. still is worth something. I always tell people it's kind of like a slingshot. Though. The farther you can pull that rock back, the farther it's going to shoot out. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to keep pulling it back, and it's hard, it, it's, but it's, it's going to make you go It's further. extremely hard when you're, you're spending all your cash uh -huh. and you, you're, you're building something. And, and there is some inherent risk there with you know, what happens if the slingshot breaks, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like you're, one of your competitors just completely – undercuts you and, and you can't, you know, in two weeks you're, you're, you're done. And that's an extreme case, sure. you know, but you, it can happen. It, We've it, heard of that. It absolutely can that's happen. True point. Yep. So, but that's why you diversify. Mm -hmm. You keep some mutual funds. You, you, you have some real estate. You, you try to become a bank. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the, so the next one is a, a subscription model or an affiliate revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you fit into that category? Subscription or affiliate model. So I, I guess, off the top of my head, I would think that is more like an annuity mm -hmm. where people are paying into a club and you really don't have to pump the gas much to continue to generate this revenue every month. I would sure. say FCIS for you is exactly yeah. I was just I was, I was just gonna say that as as long as we continue to have good policies for our mm -hmm. customers, you know, certainly they continue to pay the premium and we continue to help them. That is more of a subscription model. Sure. That one's a little more challenging, I'll be honest. You know, yeah. it, we, we deal with a lot of RV clubs, mm -hmm. which that's an easy subscription model. People mm -hmm. pay $50 a year to be in the club mm -hmm. and they provide, uh, you know, a magazine and all these other things. Sure. That's more of a traditional subscription, yeah. right. um, you know, clubs. Um, so I, I haven't started a club yet, but that could be the next, <laughs> the next we thing. We might have just come up with something. <laughs> that's right. Could be uh, at least today the Snow Shovelers Club yeah. of, uh, yes, of Northern yes. Iowa, where you you can pay a fee and you get a new shovel every year. Yeah. <laughs> get the name. Very powerful right now. <laughs> That's right. It would be very powerful. 
All right, let's go to six, which is royalties. And when I think about you and Brian and I were talking before we had this interview, Mm -hmm. we thought the Tree Town Festival for you is definitely royalties um, and how you kind of collaborate all that together. But would you agree with that? It absolutely is. The value in the festival is the brand, right? Because anybody can open up their checkbook and book Keith Urban, Toby Keith, and say, I want you to come here. And if you write him a check, trust me, they will come. (laughs) I've seen it. They will jump on their plane. Uh, if you wire them a whole bunch of money and they will come play for you. Uh, but what the challenge is, is to create that brand, which is where you get the royalties. Mm-hmm. If you can create a brand, you can, that's the value in the royalty is the tree town music festival. People know it sure. and they know what to expect when they come up there and they're always willing to hey, maybe boy. spend that $150 yes. ticket to remember that good time. they had. Cause it's a memory and you yep. can't put a price on memories. Absolutely. Um, so, but certainly to the artists, that's pretty cut and uh, black and white where their music, they could be sleeping and they will get a royalty because their music was played on mm-hmm. Spotify or sure. somebody downloaded it. So that's, again, more traditional, but still the, the music world, I think the royalty is in that, that brand. Mm-hmm. I agree. And lastly, <laughs> network, our favorite, our favorite network marketing. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, I've been involved and my wife is more involved in a lot of these things. And, you know, everybody traditionally says, well, it's just a Ponzi scheme. Um, well, I mean, in, in any, it's not really a Ponzi scheme because it's not a house of cards that's falling down. Certainly some of them, like any business model sure. ha, ha, has fallen down. But you look at any organizational structure, right? There's one person at the top and you've got people under you that are moving the bus forward that creates this big tree effect. And it's no different than network marketing. They just do not use traditional advertising mm-hmm. to do such. So my wife has been involved in networks. Uh, she's been involved in a uh, uh, wine distribution company called the uh, Direct Sellers. But Sellers is like a wine seller. It's not uh-huh. S-E-L-L-E-R-S. It's C-E. Thoughtful. Yeah, very thoughtful. <laughs> you know, very good brand. Yeah. You know, they're probably getting some royalties <laughs> off of that. But, uh, you know, and back in the olden days when I had a million ideas as well, if people remember the Quick Star and the oh, Amway yeah. days. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, you were approached by every single one of your friends. <laughs> yeah. And I was a young entrepreneur trying to make in this world. I'm like, you know, that is a heck of a business model. I am in. And did it create income? Yes, it did. You know, I had a couple people under me and we were, you know, putting the lotion on ourselves and drinking the, <laughs> drinking the potions. Yeah, drinking the juice and oh, we're going to work out and drinking the powders. And, and uh, it was, I love it. Th- those models, uh, it has worked for my wife. She is, a, she is a full-time nurse. And she's a go-getter. She absolutely is. And Shout out to Shannon. Shout yeah. Out. yeah, being a, uh, mostly a, a full-time mother and uh, uh full-time uh, wife to me, um, she's got a lot on her plate. Yeah. yeah. And Sometimes it's hard to even fill up the gas tank. She has so much going on. Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes the gas tank doesn't get full, but we look past those things in our marriage <laughs> and uh, we, we still continue to deal with the time that we have during the day to do these things. And part of what she does is when she's at home with the kids and, and doing random things is you know, she gets involved in these network marketing opportunities because mm-hmm. you can do those from anywhere. Mm-hmm. As long as you have a mobile device, um, you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. I think the other big thing for me, because I'm, uh, I'm the pro network marketing of this <laughs> equation mm-hmm. for Philip and I, but when you look at the startup cost 
for FCIS and buying into this and reorganizing basically your entire portfolio mm -hmm. versus your wife getting started in a network marketing company. Talk yeah. to the listeners about that different investment level. Yeah, so the buying into an existing business takes a check if you're going to buy into mm -hmm. it. It's like buying a car or buying a piece mm -hmm. of real estate. Typically, there's a down payment involved and there's some equity involved. Sure. But with network marketing, their whole play is little to no money down, mm -hmm. right? Like for 50 bucks, hardly any skin in the game, you can buy a packet and then it becomes your equity is your labor mm -hmm. and your time, mm -hmm. your advertising um, ability to talk to your friends. Sure. Right? Some others, you know, put billboards up and advertise all, all over and pay money to do that. Well, there's a lot of free advertising platforms, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, all these things sure. where mm -hmm. that network marketing piece has picked up. Um, but you have to use your labor and your time, mm -hmm. right? Every minute is worth something. Mm -hmm. And if you can utilize that, it, it can become where you're sleeping and you wake up and you have 300 more dollars than you didn't have when you went to bed. Sure. Mm -hmm. So right. That's so let's let's kind of start wrapping this up because I want to we're starting to kind of go over time. But I would say for the seven sources of residual income that you just talked about in each one of your examples, I think the way that they all tie together is they're all dealing with more cash flow for you and your family. And mm -hmm. that's the way you went into it. And I would say for you, you're never afraid to make a calculated risk as long as it helps you with your cash flow. And that's how they all are kind of organized for you and your family. And that's how they fit together um, because it's, it's pushing you forward or moving the bus forward as your analogy is uh, to help you in cash flow diversifying all the same, all without taking your eye off the ball where one of them might take way more time than the other. They're all streamlined together for the cash flow. Um, so that's what I would say, unless you have other thoughts. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would add that it, it's never a utopian world where, you know, you just follow these 10 steps <laughs> and you will just be set for life. Mm -hmm. It never works that way. But if you can do all seven, chances are, if you actually spend some time doing it, three or four of them are going to, are going to pop and do pretty good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe one or two is a failure, right? But if you're shooting 60, 70% success, I, I deem that a good thing, mm -hmm. sure. which is what my experience has been. Some of them have not done so well, but others have just taken off by a little bit of fuel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And helps so, you make the other ones maybe be a little bit more successful because you put money towards them. Therein light is the old school investment theory of diversification. When you look out over the next 10 years, you got six years under your belt. What are you most excited about in terms of just building your business, your family, and um, just continuing down the path that you're on? Yeah, I, I'm most excited about, I think, just when it boils down to it, getting some of the debt paid off mm -hmm. and knowing that I have a plan put together to continue to use the cash flow and, and the growth of some of these things to just continue to get the debt paid off where I can really be a bank mm -hmm. and go from a 2% spread all the way up to a seven or 8% spread. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a fast moving rock down the hill. So yeah, the rock isn't moving really fast for me right now. I'm not a very patient guy, so maybe it's moving <laughs> faster than I think, but uh, I'm just looking forward to that rock moving really fast where I maybe don't have to always work um, 12 hours a day sure. where I can, my mind can be maybe other places and I have some, some open, um, hours in the day to maybe pursue something else, maybe some philanthropy, you know, I mean, that's 
one of the steps Warren Buffett talks about is, you know, if you've created this wealth, why not give back to, to other things that you believe in once you've, once you've reached that pinnacle. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm looking for is paying off the debt and then switching my mindset to perpetuating yeah. to the next generation and, and giving back. Yeah. And so, you saw that with your dad and that not only the way he had things taken care of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for you and your family, but also I think that was probably a big cat, uh, catalyst for, for investing in tree town and yep. getting back to forest city. Absolutely. That's why, one of the reasons why I did that. Cause I wanted others to benefit from, from, from that event and they have, but it is, it is rewarding to give back as, as you guys know, you know, if, if you make a hundred dollars and you give 20 of it back to somebody that didn't have anything, I mean, that can be more rewarding than, than making a thousand dollars. So very cool. So how would our listeners find out more about you? How would they reach out to you? Well, um, I don't know. I guess just Google my name. Um, I, I, uh, you know, humility. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I would I say you can go to www.fcisinsurance.com mm -hmm. or you can go to www.treetownfestival.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Buy your tickets. Yep. Buy, buy your tickets to the festival. Come up to Four City. And, uh, um, you know, certainly I'm an open book. If you see me and uh, you want to come up and chat with me, you're more than welcome to. I may be a little busy, but I, I promise I will give you a, an ear for a minute and, uh, um, you know, chat with you. I'm very social. Yeah. For sure. My last question, unless Brian has any more. I don't know. So yeah. your, your father passed away two and a half months ago. Mm -hmm. If he were here today, what would you tell him? What would you say to him? What would you? Well, that, that's a tough one. See, cause he, he knew he was going to die in the last two months of his life. And we really, you know, thank the good Lord above. We really had two straight months of talking mm -hmm. and it, it was the best blessing ever. Mm -hmm. it, it was somewhat of a curse cause you knew the, the end was near, but, um, you know, honestly I had, I asked him everything I wanted to, um, you know, certainly there's specific things where if a customer calls and is upset or a partner gives you the wrong rub, you're like, you know, what would my dad do? Mm -hmm. um, you try not to get in that mindset because you're, you're still your own person. But um, uh, honestly, I would, I would ask him, why the hell didn't he get his colon checked out earlier? Yeah. So <laughs> another public point. service announcement, you know, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and it's a very preventable thing. So if you're 50, please get it checked. If you have a family history, you have to do it when you're 40. So mine's coming up here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Colonoscopies are, are very, uh, they've they gotten a lot easier. And I would just ask him, why the hell didn't he get that checked out earlier? Because he would still be here today. That's a yeah. good point. That's a so. good point. Mm. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions for Brian and I, please feel free to reach out. Our website is www.wealth. What in the world is it? Edit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, guys, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Brian and I at www.uncommonwealth.com. Our phone number is 515-650-3009. We would love to hear where you guys are at, any questions you'd have. Thank you so much, Courtney Woogie, for your time. And you've been listening to Uncommon Life Project. This is your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a Thanks, great day. Guys. You bet. Bye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.